time for your NBA Daily Assist. Now, here's Chris Mannix on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right, let's head out to the Sprint special guest line, lease any handset, and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. It is time for your NBA Daily Assist, brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Cold weather is here. Is your home heating system ready? Lee's Heating and Air is now offering their winter furnace checkup for only $59. Call Lee's Heating and Air today, 801-747-LEES, or online at leesheatac.com. Joining us now from Sports Illustrated, he is Chris Mannix. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? What's going on, guys? Uh, this is what's going on, Chris. Uh, the Greek freak, he's pretty good. The Jazz got punished by him last night. Yeah, sometimes he's just going to have those nights where everything's working for him. I mean, he's he's always been, I think, you know, along with Russell Westbrook, the toughest guy in the league to stop when he's got some momentum. And that shot and the, the diversity of his offense – keeps improving. Um, That's why there's a lot of consideration even before the start of the season that he would be a back-to-back MVP. He might even be a guy that wins MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. So, you know, there's a little bit of a sluggish type start for him very early in the season, but, you know, he's once again looking like the best player in basketball. Uh, let's talk about the best in basketball a little bit, Chris. The Lakers have the best record at 15-2. and two. We saw Milwaukee last night at 14-3. and three. Uh, You're uh, getting an up-close and personal view of the Celtics. Denver has a really nice record. Who is the best team in the league right now? Well, I mean, I think right now it's probably the Lakers or the Clippers. Um, you know, the Clippers just getting all their guys back, specifically Paul George, I think they're going to eventually separate themselves a little bit. I mean, those two are just so good, and they have so much depth around them. You've got to give the Lakers credit, though. I mean, they're a team that they have had what I think is a pretty soft schedule early on, and we kind of knew that coming into the season. But the way LeBron is playing, you know, the way Anthony Davis is playing, the contributions they're getting from guys that you maybe didn't expect them to contribute. Contavious Caldwell-Pope is one. Danny Green's been great for them. I mean, they're – they're just looking like a complete team. Now, my question with the Lakers is going to be, can they keep up this type of pace January, February, March? Does LeBron wear down from the type of player he's been to start the season? Um, these are questions certainly that are that you know bear watching for the next few months. But for right now, you've got to look at the Lakers and I think the Clippers, the two top teams in basketball. One thing both conferences have in common Chris, is that uh, their teams that are around that fifth, sixth spot are 11 and six. The Rockets and the Jazz tied with that mark. Are you surprised that the teams at the top have as stellar records as they have so far? A little bit. Um, I didn't see the Lakers coming out and winning whatever it is, 14 in the first 16 or 15 in the first 17. I mean, they, they've really surprised me. I, I did think, as I said, I thought they're – their schedule made it optimal for them to jump out of the gate a little bit quickly, but uh, I didn't expect to see all these things and all the everything the Lakers uh, have been doing. And you, know, you look at the Eastern Conference, I mean, the, the biggest surprise there to me is Toronto and and exactly how they have played, not just with Kawhi gone, but you know, Pascal Siakam to me is a top five MVP player. I mean, he is he is unbelievable this year. And with Lowry out and with Serge Ibaka out, you know, they have been been just great all season long. Beat Philly last night, and that was a huge win for them at home. Um, they're looking like a team that could be a real threat to win the conference, even without uh, Kawhi Leonard. And that would be just a remarkable, uh, you know, uh, turn of events. Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated with us here on ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the Zone. 
What Luka Doncic is doing right now, Chris, is just unbelievable. And, you know, we forget that he is so unbelievably young. Are they, um, are they ahead of schedule or are they here to stay? You know, they're ahead of schedule. Um, I don't think anybody really had them in the playoffs this year when you're making your projections. But um, there's a chance that they could wind up in that playoff mix. Now, they don't have as much depth as, as some of these other teams have, but, you know, they have two bona fide, you know, franchise players in Luca, who I think is a future MVP, and Chris Porzingis, who is, you know, has the potential to be uh, that type of player. So uh, I think the key for them will be just how much Porzingis improves as time goes on. He is still just a month removed from a 20 month layoff from that, uh, that knee surgery, so I think he's only going to get better. But man, they're really good. I mean, I was in Atlanta last night and I, I watched Trey Young play, and you know, Trey's still a, a dynamic scorer and might be one of those guys that actually leads the NBA in scoring some years. Uh, but I just I don't think anybody I don't think you can compare him to what Luka Doncic is and and will become. I think Trey's a great scorer. Luka Doncic is an MVP in waiting. Chris, what do you make of the uh, the Rockets uh, experiment thus far? It's had some hits and misses. Um, you know, early on they struggled. Uh, obviously, I mean they, they, you know, James Harden shot a low percentage of the floor. But when I talked to Daryl Morey about this, when they were something like four and three or somewhere around that line, he said, "Look, if if James, if people think James is going to continue to shoot like this, then we are in trouble." And Harden, of course, didn't continue to shoot like that. He's played out of his mind for most of the last few weeks. And and if he keeps doing that, they're going to beat a lot of teams in the conference. I just have my questions about the Harden-Westbrook pairing succeeding in the playoffs. I think when you get against good teams in a seven-game series, they're going to figure a way to scheme for you. And if, if Westbrook can't make three-point shots and you're not running as much as they're trying to run, I, I, don't, I, I just don't know if they're going to be the, the type of threat that they want to be and that they're paying those guys top dollar to go up there and be. So, I look, I, they're going to beat a lot of good teams because those two guys are great players. But in the postseason, I still like some of the more complete teams that are out there that – that are in the Western Conference. Chris, what did you think about the interview Danny Ainge gave? I believe it was to Rachel Nichols from ESPN, but in a sense uh, taking responsibility for the uh, underachieving last year. Well, I mean, look, he's falling on his sword and great. I mean, that's, that's what all executives should do, especially ones with the type of job security that Danny Ainge has. But I don't think it was Danny Ainge. I mean, I think some of the things he said there – we're dead on accurate. You know, he kind of pointed to the Lakers as being a team that has a hierarchy, and they do. The Lakers have LeBron and AD, and everybody else is kind of a supporting player. The Celtics last year had, you know, big name stars, but they didn't really have a hierarchy. It was everybody kind of thought they were the best player on the team, or at least deserved to be in in consideration for that position, and it just it just didn't work. So I don't know if you, you fault Danny Ainge. I mean, that was. A, a, a perfect storm of, of events where, you know, Kyrie goes, obviously Gordon goes down, that changes everything. But Kyrie goes down, they make the conference finals, they come within one game of getting to the NBA finals, and everybody else comes back thinking, hey, we're, we're a conference finalist team. We're, we're good enough to win without these guys. So, you know, we give us our props, give us our recognition. And it just, you can't win that way. Yeah, everybody has to kind of have a role, and they weren't a team that was equipped to do that after going to the conference finals a year ago. So good, good for Danny for saying it. I mean, it deflects some of the, you know, criticisms towards players, but I do think it was far more the guys in the locker room than Danny Ainge did. And what kind of regard is he held back there, Chris? Because obviously 
BYU fans love him out here. Utah fans never liked him, but uh, he does have some ties, and so people might be interested in knowing. Is he well-respected? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, Danny you know, was well-respected even before he took the top executive job because of his years playing for the Celtics. And, you know, winning a championship carries a lot of – gives you a lot of credibility and you bank a lot of points with the fan base – when you do that now, I know it was now what eleven years ago that they won that championship. But yeah, he still is is widely respected and and beloved even in the Boston community by Celtics fans. And he's got a job for life. And that's it's like I was saying. You know, it's easy for him to kind of go out there and fall on his sword because there's no chance he's ever going to get fired. Um, and there's not a lot of GMs in the league that can really say that. I mean, even in good times, um, you look at some of the GMs that are out there, and and they're certainly vulnerable. But Danny Ainge, you know, Greg Popovich, last R.C. Buford, you know, Pat Riley's only a handful of those guys that you know are on the job till they don't want to be on the job anymore, and, and Danny's certainly one of them. Do you think he'll ever be honored because uh, he was the one starter on that those great teams in the 80s whose number was not retired? Will there ever be that kind of tribute paid to him? No, and, and they've got to stop retiring numbers in Boston. They're going to run out. Like, they've got, <laughs> you know... They got a name up there, and uh, Jim Luskatoff, Lusky, up in the Raptors in Boston. I mean, there's, there's actually been some chatter about unretiring some numbers in Boston because they are getting kind of towards the point where guys that play for them are going to have to have some goofy numbers uh, to wear. So, no, I, I I don't think you'll see Danny's uh, num- a number of the Raptors. Maybe his his sweater vest or something for his days as the GM of that team. Chris Mannix with us here from Sports Illustrated on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, Chris, I realize this is kind of a random question, but Jim Boylan used to be here at the University of Utah, and it didn't end particularly well. When do the folks in Chicago kind of realize that that's a disaster in the making? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it did surprise me that he kept the job after last season, which didn't go particularly well. I mean, you had kind of that you know, early mutiny that seemed to crop up. He had some sort of goofy things like the leadership council with that team. But for whatever reason, uh, the Bulls front office, which has made questionable decisions in the past, they decided to bring him back and, and put him back in that role and give him a chance. And so that's, that's not a very good team. Um, you can certainly argue it's, it's, you know, could be better. I mean, I watched some of the game last night where they got blitzed by Portland. That, that certainly wasn't a good, good outing for them. I just, you know, Jim Boylan has been a solid assist. He just hasn't really proven anything at the pro ranks, and they gave him the benefit of the doubt for some reason in this past off season. Now, I don't know how long it lasts. I would imagine he gets at least this season with that group, but uh, the more you watch the Bulls, the less likely you think it is that Jim Boylan is a long-term answer for that group. Chris, what do you make of the the league-wide play these days? I mean, is the game in, in good stead right now? Uh, do you, we already talked about some of the young stars that are coming up. How do you feel about the play you see? Yeah, I, I don't think it's that bad. It's kind of like, you know, early season, you're going to have some ugly nights. It's like, you know, in baseball where, you know, pitchers take a little bit longer to kind of heat up and as the season, the summer progresses. And basketball is kind of the same thing now. I was talking to Mark Cuban about this, and you know, guys come to come into camp in much better shape now than they used to. I mean, years past, you had guys like use training camp in the early season to get into shape. It was kind of the Shaquille O'Neal uh, ification of uh, of basketball. Now they work so hard in the summer that they're in shape, but there are still guys working their way. And I watched Nikola Jokic in Denver, and he's not all the way there right now. There are more guys like that as well. So this is sloppiness, but man, it's still. 
it's so high level basketball. Whenever people kind of criticize NBA play, I always think of two things. One, just remember what it used to look like in, in times when guys weren't in this type of shape and you had hand checking and, and things were physical, like you know, like you guys saw with the Jazz, you know, back in the nineties when it was just a street fight sometimes, you know, in those basketball games. And I encourage you to watch college basketball, which has just got awful. I mean, you, you want to talk about bad basketball. College basketball, for as much fun as it is and as engaging as it can be late in games, is terrible. It is just terrible how bad these these games are with the low shooting percentages and the sloppy play. So I think it's, it's all kind of in, in what the prism you view it through, the NBA. And I think it's still by far and away the best basketball in the world. I love the fact that you just said what you said about college basketball because Jake over here is feeling all good about Vatek beating Michigan State in Hawaii. It doesn't make the end of college basketball games any less painful. <laughs> I agree. No, I agree with you completely, Chris. Yeah, look, it, it's fun. Like you know, these guys flying up and down the floor, but I mean, c- could you imagine? Like, put, put put one of those games, take any high-profile game, and replace the coach with Quinn Snyder and the players with jazz uniforms. And you'd be destroying them for awful shot selection and sloppy play. Now, there are reasons it's bad. You know, the one-and-done rule has kind of killed college basketball in terms of effectiveness. We don't have, you know, the days of Christian Leitner and, and guys like that going three and four years uh, are long gone and, and are going to be gone forever. But it, it doesn't change the fact that it's just horrible like to watch. It just is aesthetically displeasing basketball as you're going to find like the G League's better I don't think the G League is that great but the G League's better European basketball is better I love the NCAA tournament as much as the next guy but it's not good basketball to watch Chris thank you as always we always look forward to it you got it guys thanks Chris Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated your NBA daily assist I mean the effort is good yeah it's it's just not a it's not the same product as the NBA there's a big difference there it's true but that's the that's the case with all college sports, right? I thought about that last night during the the early stretch of the uh, the Jazz Bucks game when the Bucks were missing a bunch of shots, and I was thinking this reminds me of college basketball, you know. Well, there's just too much stoppage at the end of games. I don't I don't know exactly what they can do with that, uh, you know, take away timeouts or whatever. But it, uh, I agree with him. Watching the end of college basketball games is can be quite difficult. I think coaches try to just grab it by the throat and bludgeon it, you know. Uh, the coaches are the stars in college basketball, not the players. Right. And and there's a lot of teaching and a lot of hand-holding, and, you know, they're not they're not NBA players. They're not professionals. It's, it's like, uh, like the Jazz last night. I loved Quinn Snyder not calling a timeout and just letting them go. Jerry used to do that all the yeah, time. You get the def- uh, defense on their heels. You know, in college, you just you don't see that type of thing because they want to they set it up and hold hands, and yeah. here you go. I like the way you said that because I, I remember Jerry doing that, and Quinn does it, as you, as you mentioned, uh, it's almost like you guys are grown men. You're professionals. Fix it. Fix it on your own. And if it if it doesn't if it doesn't turn around, then the timeout comes eventually. Right. But in college, it's like oh man, it's like the grand puppeteers over there. Well, and then controlling they controlling everything. They take full advantage of everybody's attention during turn, tournament time, where in every single one of those stops, they try to jam three, four commercials in there, and <laughs> it's just brutal. It's just hard to watch. 
Yeah, I remember watching the NCAA tournament one year, and the the last three minutes of games would take what an hour and a half. Yeah, and I I I found out a lot about you know Lee's snap on nails. Did you and, learn a lot? And was Mich- that the year you took all four uh, one seeds, or the other year you took all four one seeds? Oh man, Gordon likes the favorites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I do. You do. Yeah. You know, this year I think I'll uh, pick Duke. <laughs> Let's see, Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, North and... Carolina. Let's go ahead and throw in the Tar Heels. There you go. Uh, occasionally Virginia. Speaking of bad college basketball, BYU's playing Kansas today. How about they? that? Uh, for, why why are you saying five thirty? Why are you so? saying bad college basketball? It's not very nice. Well, I, yeah, I, okay. maybe it'll be okay, good that, college okay, basketball. Sorry, that was redundant. They did win last night. Bad college basketball. By the way, Bill Walton, I tell you what, you send him out to uh, out to Hawaii, and then people out there are surprised that he has a zany uh, uh, telecast. You think the Maui Wowie's going on? I just think, you know, there, there are certain things where you should say, you know, I should have seen that coming. <laughs> like, we, we don't send uh, Austin down to the old DMV and expect him to not come back irritated. 